Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Never Miss Lethal podcast. Oh man, <laughs> we made it to 10 episodes. Let me tell you something, it has been an interesting adventure. Well, let me introduce my guest from Young and Handsome Bachelor, who likes long walks on the beach. And face decks, we have Inez. <laughs> Say hello, Inez. Hello, guys, and hello, Jim Class Hero. I'm proud that I'm a part of your podcast here, the 10th episode. Yeah, I wanted something special, but I can only get you what? <laughs> but, and also joining us today, he's a French Canadian man with a dark side. <laughs> Romanesque. <laughs> Romanesque. What's up, man? So, hi everyone. Uh, I am looking forward to creating some serious drama or just have a nice talk about the game. <laughs> oh man. Drama, please. Hardcore drama. Pod, the drama cast. We'll just be talking about all the crazy events and our opinions now. But alright, so today I think I take the opportunity of both these players end up being constantly high on the ladder. So, I think it'd be best to. Uh, I want to talk about thoughts on their thoughts on ladder, if they change anything, do they feel it's rewarding? And then I talk to talk about gameplay. I think this would be a great chance, an opportunity, a lot of newer players have to come in and we can talk about common mistakes being made. So to start off, we'll talk about ladder. How I feel about the ladder. I mean now I've been in streams and I've talked to other players and they kinda wish the ladder was a bit harder, I guess. They wanted it to uh, for people to be able to derank. Personally, I don't think deranking would actually aid the game at all. Because the people who are, I mean, yeah, sure, it'd be more of a. Gr I think this makes the. I think that just serves to make the ladder more grindy. You know, I think it wouldn't actually make it more rewarding in any way. I think personally, I think the ladder system is perfectly fine the way it is. Even if I get pretty salty at times, <laughs> but that's just life. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think making deranking a thing would actually hurt the game, as newer players would, you know, would feel. I think they newer players, before you're hooked, so to speak, you get hurt most by the grind. But I've talked enough, so I'm gonna hand this over to Inez. Your thoughts on the ladder? Uh, my thoughts on the ladder. I think deranking is a bad thing. I don't think that the seasons are long enough here in this game. Um, that deranking would make a sense, like a League of Legends. A season there is one year long, and you derank there, so no one can sit on his rank, you know, because you also lose skill in a month or two. But here we have one month seasons, and what sense would deranking make here? You get rank one, like on the 15th of the month, and then you lose your wins. That fast? I mean, in 50 days? I don't know. I'm against it. I don't think it's a good idea. I agree. And Romanus, your thoughts? Um, well, if we're, talking, if we're talking about the ranking, as in uh, losing MMR uh, after not playing for a while, or the ranking as in being yes. able to drop a rank? I guess you could say no. both. I guess you could say... if I, I think more people are stating... If you lose, if you're like at the bottom of the snake and you lose enough games, you derank kind of deal, or ah, okay. or removing kind of deal. or removing the snake even. Okay, well, I think that the snake is a great system. I think that the thing that 
this game has that Hearthstone doesn't have is the fact that it's really not grindy. And it's fun because in Hearthstone, even pro players are grinding to legend on two servers every every month becomes really, really tiresome because they basically lose five days that they could spend practicing just grinding ladder month against people who really, really don't help them practice in any way. So for top players, the game being less grindy is fine. For no amateur players, most of them want to be a legend. The legend is the goal in this game, like in Hearthstone, it's the most natural goal. So making this easy to achieve, make people feel like they're more accomplished player and it makes them want to play more because after hitting Legend, they can try to, they can play meme decks so they play for fun or they can go for a specific rank like top thousand and then they play more. So I feel like letting people hit Legend is a great idea. After that, they have to think about matchmaking for the MMR problems that are caused by the fact that you cannot derank, but that's another question. Okay. Well, since we've brought that up, what do you what would you consider an MMR problem? Uh, I would say that the problem with the ranks being locked, like, well, Legend is an exception because in any game the Legend rank is locked. Like, you cannot derank from Legend. But uh, let's say when you climb to Legend and you hit rank two and you're like oh i'm up i'm happy with rank two let me just play some uh mono grade dreamer deck for like 75 <laughs> games and go five wins and 70 losses and then you say oh yes not, time to try hard i want to hit top 100 this season and then you hit legend and you realize you just got placed to 28 2800 rank and your mmr is in the dumpster because the snake gives you the impression that it's fine to lose but it still counts in your mmr so uh, I feel like, it, well, it, it's a good thing for most people who are not aware that MMR is a thing to think that they can lose without pressure because it helps them enjoy the game more. But uh, I would assume that uh, the MMR matchmaking has issues because I think that two months ago they adjusted the matchmaking Maybe more. I wasn't there, but I think they're just in matchmaking because of the small player base. And now you can get matched with people who have much lower MMR than you. Like, uh, it, legend ranks can be matched against rank rank 2,500 people. And if you're top five playing against someone who who, who is 2,500, it's extremely, extremely frustrating. Because if you win, you win zero MMR. <laughs> and if you lose, you lose 10 ranks. Yeah. And... The th I think that given the very large MMR difference they allow in their matchmaking, they should uh, let you take a longer queue and not force you to play a game that if you lose, you lose like five wins worth of games. Yeah, I, I have to disagree there. I mean... Um, I don't like long queues at all. I rather take a 1,000 or 2,000 rank opponent because if you are top 10 or top 5, you should be able to beat these guys anyways because most of the time they meme with some deck or are new players who just got legend and you are an experienced player with a tier 1 deck if, when you are top 5. So why not just beat these guys? I think it's the variance is what you're talking about, right? I think like... You normally would beat this guy nine times out of ten, but that ten time, that tenth time, just chunks your MMR. You know, and that will count a little more. Then that almost count to equal to the five other the five games that you want yes. in a sense. Yes, a lot of the people that rank two thousand are, are, 
are playing decks like Aggro Battle Mage or Orcs, and even though they play them really poorly, like by Top 5 Legend standards, it's always possible to lose to these decks. And you know it's oh. possible, right? It's possible to lose to them. You just get a crazy a crazy curve and you don't have answers and you lose the game. And yeah, but, uh... it feels really bad. Yeah, of course, it feels really bad to lose <laughs> the game, but in the end, you lost against a ranked 2000 guy, and you should be ranked for that. Yeah, you would have lost. You would have lost the same game if the guy was top five legend. Yeah. So, it, I, I understand the matchmaking. Imagine like this in a system with chess, because in chess, if you lose to the guy who who has like 700 elo lower than you, then you are fully responsible. But in a game with high high variance, there is a probability that you lose to these people, and you have nothing to win but a percentage of chance to just auto lose, just by RNG effects like card or draw order or uh, missing cunning allies multiple times in a row. <laughs> and if that happens, then you just lost the game. You had no chance of winning, and that you probably should not have been matched in the first place anyway because the system judges you to so far apart that even if you win, you win zero MMR. So what are you getting matched together? I think the, yeah. worst, I think the worst thing in those being someone and still de-ranking a little bit, like <laughs> MMR was so low, the persons ahead of you actually just ranked up while you played this, yeah. you know, five, 10 minute game, maybe even 20, depending on the matchup, and you end up losing one rank <laughs> and so then the game feels because it, it, it creates. It's all. I think this is we're getting to like the mental aspect of it all. Like, yeah. what feels better? Um, I see. I see what you're both saying here. What feels better? Longer? Do you want shorter queue times, or do you want to feel like your time is worth it in a sense? I think we're getting mm -hmm. at. I would say like because yeah, when you because nine out of ten, like Ina says, nine out of ten times you will beat that person. But this yeah. is the beauty of card games. The variance is that tenth time he beats you, and that tenth time. How many wins is that loss equivalent is equal to? And I think well, it ends up being you feel punished, I'd say. But in the end, it sounds like uh, I don't want to play this guy because he has a chance to win. <laughs> no, this is not it, Ines. My problem is that even if you have a 90% win rate against those people, let's say 90, can we agree on 90 out of 10 we win? Mm -hmm. No, less. I okay, say... so. Seven or eight times out of ten. Okay, let's agree on eight out of ten because sometimes okay. they misplay, so we get a decent win rate. So if we win, the, my issue is that over ten games we've ranked two thousand people. If we win eight and lose two over those ten games, we lose MMR. No, yes. never ever you lose MMR when you win eight games and lose two against never against against. If you play only against 2,000 ranked people, if you win 8 and lose 2, against only 10,000 people, you lose MMR. I think it's the ratio is like 6 to 2. Then you are even. But 8 is... No, but against only 2,000 players. Yeah, Just yeah. Not 1,000. Always over 2,000. Yeah, right? that's an unrealistic situation. I never, It never happened for me that I yeah, only but... play against 2,000 players, so I can't <laughs> say that. Yes, but um, I'm saying that over 100 games... The 10 games of those 100 games that you played against 2,000 plus ranked players, well, even if you went 8-2 in those games, those 10 games made you lose MMR because you got matched against players that gave you barely any MMR when you won. And this is why I'm saying that this is unnatural because you, you shouldn't have matchmaking 
in which variance punishes you to the point that you need to do better than eight and two over 10 games to win, to gain MMR. I mean, I get your point. Of course, it's better to play against uh, like rank 500 people instead of rank 2000 people because they play equally, like equally, you have the same chance to win against rank 500 people, but you get more points. Yeah, th th that's a nicer way to say it. They play, you have the equal chance to win compared to rank 2000. Yeah, I've, I I think so. That 500 and 2000 isn't that much of a difference. I agree, but the MMR difference is significant. Yeah. This is my only problem. I'm not saying you should only get patched against top 100. I'm saying that there should be a cap of MMR. That means that if you play against someone, it's because you have a reasonable gain to make if you win. Mm. I see. Yeah. But again, I think if we're going for the 8 to 2, I mean... The problem is, I think it's not so much as losing when you win, it's just you're not really gaining much. So yes. the losses cancel each other out, like I kind of said before, like I, I'm repeating myself, but is the fact that those eight wins are nice. You may get a, like a ding in MMR, but those two losses are way more. Yeah. I can't agree they're way more. They do. No, it's, it's like, good thing about it. When you, 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 when you beat a rank 2000, right? You, I mean, when, you, you have much gain, but when you lose, you'll probably lose a few ranks. So it does way more in a sense, because due to the MMR difference, naturally, but, this is but not, hmm? but not eight to two guys. Eight wins are a lot. You can lose to them, <laughs> and it are even at least even. Even, but every possibly. game you lose against rank two thousand is like three to five wins against reasonable ranked players. Hmm. Yes, and th those are not the same as wins against rank two thousand players who give you one MMR. Yes. Like in an MMR system, because there is one, I really doubt that you get more than one MMR for beating someone who's ranked 2000. Uh, and I assume you lose. harder for us, right? Yes, exactly. That's what I'm but saying. That's what I'm saying. Where's the problem there? I mean, isn't that game easy enough? So. Oh, that's another question. I I'm not saying that it's a matter of skill cap. I'm just saying that it feels bad and I don't like feeling bad. <laughs> No one likes feeling bad. To be, fair. to be honest, for me, every loss feels bad the same way. It's, it's because you think you deserve to win every game. <laughs> so, I know. What's worse, losing to rank 3000 or losing to gym class hero, Kappa? To gym class hero, because he, because <laughs> he's awkward. <laughs> and when I meet him the next time in uh, Twitch chat, he will say, Well, Ines, nice loss there. <laughs> and and if I lose against a rank 2000 guy, he, he won't meet me. He won't say anything. <laughs> All, right. All right. You say that, but I lost to a rank 1500 aggro battle mage who misplayed a lot on stream and he followed two seconds after. <laughs> <laughs> At least he followed, you know? I guess. So, <laughs> I had to discuss that game with him after. <laughs> hey, the follow, like, kind of upset, kind of like evens up the MMR loss, I'd say. <laughs> he supported you, so... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, continuing a bit on ladder. Ladder rewards, now, was another question that's often brought up. Um, interestingly enough to me, a lot of people wanted more rewards, cosmetic rewards for maybe top 100 legends. And personally, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on this. I'm in the middle for ladder rewards. See... I don't want to, like, let's see, make it impossible for a, you know, I don't want people to have things they can never obtain, but at the same time, 
oh, some rewards. Like, you know, ultimate card art. Or, you know, it'd be cool if we got a monthly card for the other ranks, but then you got alternate, an alternate card for top 100. An alternate card art. It could be any card, or maybe a card they felt impacted the, uh, the season particularly. You know, maybe Atro's, when she was very popular, could have had her... Could be a meme, kind of, maybe her in a bow tie with two horses or something. Or anything, but... I'm not sure the cutoff, you know, of when you want that to be. Do you want to be top 100 for it, or top 500 people get this alternate arts? Or maybe even rank 1, that may be too open-ish? But at the same time, you don't want newer players to feel like, hey, you can't get this. But then again, I don't want it to be like just a grind out. If you play X amount of games on ladder, you can have it. So then it's like, it feels maybe uh, not really as special as a reward. But I would pass this one off to Inez this time. This time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just go with I it. It was the same last time. Yeah, I mean, I can only agree there. I don't know why we don't get special rewards for like top 100. Or top five or top ten. Uh, it should be easy for them to create some and give us some stuff, some special stuff. I'm not hot for gems or gold or something like that or packs because uh, most of the top ten player already have everything right they need. And um, special cards would be nice. Special art on the monthly card, something like this. Yeah. Romanesque thoughts. So uh, I agree with what Ines just said. I will add something. Uh, I feel like there isn't really any in-game currency of any or collectible that really matters compared to like finishing at some rank. Like you go to finish at some rank, just well, I want to say bragging rights, but it's more like you have an objective. You want to finish at some position, and you go for it, and then you obtain it. Uh, I don't really need a reward to do it, and that's why some people are doing it right now and have been for a long time with no rewards, because finishing at the rank you want to achieve is by itself a reward. However, uh, this can be translated in-game by, for example, a, a title for finishing top 10 legend or uh, something of the sort just to, to have the ability to translate those bragging rights to in-game. I'm not a big fan of alternate arts or locked things that other players would want to have access to and could not because they can't finish top 10 legend because they said like to ourselves, a large part of the player base doesn't have the slightest idea of how to play this game, which is completely fine. It's hard to play. And I think even people in top five don't really know how to play this game very often. So I think that I don't want uh, them to release content that is locked for some elites and usually i'm the elitist <laughs> so i would be willing to go up to titles titles are completely fine because because there already are titles you can't get like the the better one but i wouldn't give alternate card arts and stuff i think those should be accessible to more people because a bunch of people are obsessed with collecting stuff in this game and i think it it wouldn't feel good for them to not have access to it, and it wouldn't change anything for people who are already going for top 10 legend. So I would go for the title. Okay. So would you think maybe those alternate card, what if they were craftable? So you get a set for free if you hit top 500 or whatever, but anybody else could craft them for gems. 
then that that is irrelevant simply because most people in top 10 have infinite resources of in-game currency. So it's irrelevant completely. Mm, I see. All right. There's that. And one more latter topic is if it, when Bethesda starts doing their official tournaments and such, would you like to see either a kind of a qualifier tournament or would you like to see ladder or maybe a mixture of both? Now, I'll get into it. I think it'd be cool to know have a hybrid kind of deal of where you take some ladder depending on your rank i'd imagine maybe oh geez how did i mean i don't want i hate comparing other games but gwen did it kind of nice i think they did top 255 from each uh server went from there they also had as kind of an open tournament in ladder as well and then it was ladder that way so from each server we only have one i believe but just to make the comparison so it'd be like maybe a top 200 here, uh, and then from there, well, since we only have one, maybe top 500, then, uh, then having a tournament from there, and then finally the final actual tournament. So like a qualifying tournament into the real deal. I'll hand this one off to Romanesque. Your thoughts? Okay, so um, first, I want to say that by nature of tournaments, tournaments, especially single elimination ones, are not a good way to measure scale of players. So you do open tournaments to qualify for bigger tournaments out of fairness, uh, because the game has a lot of RNG. So it's possible to have this Cinderella story of someone who who's good at the game and didn't play much and then qualifies and does awesome things. But in reality, ladder is way, 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 way better of a tool to measure the consistency of good play for a player than tournaments. And I think that you could say, yeah, but that's unfair for people who don't have time to grind. And my answer to this is that if you're going to do top 32 or top 64 or top 100 anyway, well, those ranks do not require grinding. The only ranks that require any amount of grinding is top 10. And even uh, you can get, you can finish lower top 10 with almost no grinding. It's it's just a value of win rate. So I would say that with the size of the player base right now, uh, it would be not only a waste of time to go for uh, the qualifier tournament system, it would also be a waste of resources. It would be a dilution of the show because they would have to, they would have to organize more tournaments for the same kind of event. And uh, finally, it wouldn't really contribute to having better players to showcase on the final tournament thing, because at the end of the day, if you go by ladder, you will find all the good players in the top 32 or 64 pretty much every time. Okay. And Inez, Mr. Failed Gym Class Hero at Tournamental. I mean, hey, man, Inez, do you have any? My opinion... Um, I can see points for both systems, to be honest. Um, what about something like uh, a qualifier tournament and you invite the top ladder player? And if you finish higher on ladder, have more ladder points, you get in a, into a better uh, bracket. So you have to play less games to qualify. And so people like um, rank 80 to 100 have to play more games than like rank one legend if you know what i mean okay understand 
So wait, you kind of so you want the tournament like a qualify? You'd have the ladder system kind of be like deciding the seeding in a sense for the uh, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So this way, I can see that. Raycon Legend would have maybe get a buy or go against someone on the lower end. I see what you're saying. It would be unfair if Rank 1 Legend would get auto-invite, you know? He at least have to play one qualifier game at Winlet. And other people have to work harder because they aren't that high on ladder, didn't prove anything yet, and have to play more qualifier games. Yeah, that's interesting. I like it. Makes sense. Uh, hmm? well, you're saying? Uh, I agree with this system. I think this is the best system down the road. But I think that in the current state of the game, from a competitive standpoint, there are not enough tryharding players to justify this complex of an organization. Uh, however, if we decide that the game will grow and that they want to go that way on the long run, then I'm completely fine with having a bit of a heavier system if they're organizing it now and keeping that system for later when there's more players. So I would be okay with that system. I just think that right now it's overkill. Okay. Yeah, probably. All right. I'll just kind of integ- try and see if it was worth integrating the... Uh... All right, now we're going to... Uh... Let's jump into the second part. But I want to discuss, since we have two high-level legend players, a lot of... <laughs> I think we... Uh... And I noticed when I was... I cast a tournament on Mondays, and me and Link were putting out some odd placements and plays from players as we're casting it that we kind of disagreed with. So I'm going to just kind of walk into what I noticed about when I watch my own videos and when, what misplays I make, what other sees other make. I think the biggest one I would see is uh, lane placement, honestly. I think it's, it's a lot trickier than people give credit for it. <laughs> I'm never sure I often end up in the wrong lane. I think I noticed a lot of people kind of give up on the field lane a little too fast or never really try to fight for it at all. I think that's a huge, the, the biggest mistake I've I noticed from people when I play them. You know, they'll <coughs> or just immediately jump, or they'll immediately jump into the shadow lane, and, and they often get punished for it. And I'm thinking, you know, I, mean, I guess you, if I'm playing mage, you know, I don't have any charge creatures, so anything that's going to take your skulk out, it's going to take your skulk out if I have it. So I'll go ahead and hand this one off to Ionize. What's a mistake you constantly see players make? Man, I'm making so many mistakes myself. All right, cool. So I can't see every mistake other people do well, because I also because I also don't know what cards they have. So it's sometimes hard to say if it was a mistake or not. But the most obvious mistakes I see are. Let me think a second. I think lane placement, wrong lane placement, playing creatures into the shadow lane without a reason. And then you can easily trade into them with uh, uh, how's the creature called that gives you contracts? Uh, Brotherhood Slayer. Bro- yeah, Brotherhood Slayer. Then you put your Brotherhood Slayer to the shadow lane, and they can't evade the contract anymore. Stuff like that. As more cards are released, more punishing things will be doing. All right. And Roman, what do you? What's a mistake you commonly see? Uh, well, uh, I think that I agree with Finesse and you on the lane placement, but I think that is also uh, a testament of how easy it is to judge lane placement because we don't know the opponent's hand, but we can tell from their deck, at least what they've played so far, what their game plan is. And so it's easy for us to tell that this is a mistake. 
uh, I think that there are a lot of mistakes in terms of uh, macro decision as uh, I think a lot of people are going face way too early and way too fast with legs that should not go face. But that's much harder to judge if we don't when you don't know their hand because even if this in the scout mirror, there are specific hands that you want to go face with, but still many people go face every time, even when effectively they're just giving people more cards to answer their threats. And I think that's a terrible mistake because uh, a lot of people just lose because they went face too early and too fast, and they don't realize it, and they're going to complain about prophecy or about, oh, this deck is broken, they out-resourced me so quickly. And they don't realize that they don't have to attack face every turn if they don't play a strictly face deck. Okay. So regarding when they're playing more, I think it would mean more when they're playing like the mid-range decks that are board-based aggro in a sense, that kind of don't need to start hitting face immediately like a battle mage, like an aggro battle mage wants to keep going face as much as can. A sorcerer can kind of like rule the field lane and then then start smacking kind of deal? Yeah, so sometimes going face every turn is correct. Like when you play Sorcerer or Mid-Mage, sometimes hitting face is correct always. But there are times you don't have to hit face. Sometimes you want to two-turn kill your opponent. Sometimes you want to wait when you want to attack, and people don't think about it. It's just, I'm not going to miss four damage this turn. I have four damage, so I go face. Okay. Going on, what would you... I see what you're saying. Playing the matchup correctly. So what would you say... What would your top three ways for a player to improve? I guess since I'll give you guys time to think while I throw mine. I think the top three ways is, of course, if you can, I know not everyone can, uh, let's see, record on their PC. So I, I remember having my little laptop and I could only play, right? But um, I'd say, if you can, though, watch your own gameplay. But I think that wouldn't be number one. That'd have to be number three because you need something to base it upon. So maybe watching players and watching streamers, as well as asking questions as to why they made moves. Most I that I'm aware of don't seem to mind answering questions. I don't. And when I ask questions on the stream, they typically give me a chill answer, I would say. So if one is that, three would be, if you can... Once you get an idea, because I noticed when I rewatch some of my mods, there may have been a bigger play. And two, I'd say play slower. I know I one of those players that get into like a rhythm that goes okay, but really, stop. I'd say like stop, count for ten seconds, maybe look at everything and really think things out. But I'll hand this one off to I think Roman. You seemed you wanted to say something. Okay. Um, so I don't really agree with looking at your own gameplay because even though it's somewhat useful, the issue is unless you are good enough at the game and experienced enough that you can have the perspective of your own bias, which many top five legend players can have, as in they can disagree on play on different plays and both play would be correct. And when you watch your own play, you can see alternate lines and judge them accurately. Uh, if you... If you can't do that, then I don't think watching yourself is good because you are mostly reinforcing your own biases. Mm -hmm. I think the very best way to get better at the game is to watch a streamer who is very good, as in least likely to make obvious misplays. Uh, so really good. Like, 
ideally top legend streamer with a deck he's good on. And then at every turn, you look at the decisions he has, the information he has, and you try to find the best play. And you compare your result with his result. So you can even mute the stream and just think really hard about each play. This is the chest way. This is the, the, the chest, but the chest way. As in, uh, that's how you get better at chess. You just redo games from top players and try to find the best move every turn and compare what you found with what the Grandmaster found. And I think this really, really applies well to card games because you have streamers who play top legend games. And even though the streamers have some biases and don't play perfectly, if you can get better to how good a top five player legend plays, you can definitely become a legend player quickly. And Inez, your thoughts? I don't have such uh, cool chess tricks like Romanesque <laughs> here, but uh, I think a good way to get better in this game is the same way you get better in every game. Just play it a lot. I think uh, learning by doing. If, when you make mistakes, you learn from them when you lose the game then, and you won't make the mistake again. And this way, you also learn to play around cards. If if you're a new player, you don't know every card, like Don's Wrath that wrecks you turn eight, and then the next time you know, oh shit, he may have Don's Wrath. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you were Yeah, I I think I I don't rewatch my games or something like that. That's too much work, to be honest. I rather play a second game than rewatch my old games or another game. I like it. So I get that kind of constantly playing and figure. I think true. I think that'll build a sense of uh, some game sense for sure. So like you'll get more of a sense. I think game sense as you play, you learn about um, things like Dawn's Wrath, uh, turn takes Ice Storm, which colors have charge, which can affect where you place your units. You know, at this point, you know, rank five at five mana, may you want to place my. What's that unit? Uh, four shaman in the shadow lane, so charge creatures can't just smack it away. But hmm? um, some things I learn from other people. I have to admit that sometimes you don't come to and you don't see tricks like uh, killing your own haunting spirit with another creature and something like that. I saw it in a stream somewhere and thought, man, that's nice. Good <laughs> to know that it works that way. When I was a new player. And uh, then I use it myself. Absolutely. Learning from other players is huge. I think I learned... <laughs> this is such a stupid, obvious trick, but I never really thought about it. When I first started out and was playing, I never thought about just fire-bolting my own Daggerfall Mage to get, like, the tome. I'd always be like, oh, man, I really want that tome, but he's not playing <laughs> creatures into me. Damn. <laughs> All I have is this stupid fireball just sitting there. Goodness gracious. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> The one trap also of learning from playing a lot is uh, that not only it reinforces your own biases, but uh, it can lead you to become too results oriented. Like, for example, if you lose to Down's Wrath, like you lose to turn six Down's Wrath from Thieves Guild Recruit, and suddenly you say, Oh, I have to play around this. So now you play around to turn six Down's Wrath every <laughs> game. That will lower your win rate because you're being results oriented. Yeah. So that's dangerous. Yeah, I have to agree there. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I guess, I, well, one big thing I learned though is in to kind of piggyback off the being too cautious, 
I can't remember which player. It might have been Snacks. He brought up a good point about not playing around the unique legendaries. Because when I first started out, I was like, oh man, I'd be super careful about Odaving or Red Brown because they're just so devastating. But they are a 1 in 50 chance, and they're pretty hard to predict. I mean, you can play around them as much as you can. Like, you know, around turn 9 against Scouts. Since you know they always have Red Brahman somehow, you split lanes, but you can't really play around all the uniques. And I used to try they to do all, that. <laughs> they always have Oda Wing. Always when I play my Atromancer. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I top. I top deck and my um, opponent scout top deck. I top deck my Atromancer and he top deck his fucking Oda Wing <laughs> next turn. It's always like that. I, I guess. Want, I, I it's true. Thought a second. Should I play the Atromancer here? He, I bet he will top deck his Oda Wing. Ah, <laughs> you, you like that. Is <laughs> Let me tell you. you scout always you has Oda Wing. Rule one of Scout have Oda Wing. Rule two have Red Brahmin. Like, yeah. it's true. <laughs> I guess a lot of people are result-oriented, though. For example, in the past two streams I had, I missed 18 on my, of my 20 Cunning Allies. <laughs> and so people are actually, but why do you play Cunning Ally? Or you don't have enough blue cards, it's only 60%. Or things like that, and they don't realize that, on average, 60% means that over 100 Cunning Allies, you will get 60 Fireballs. Yeah. It, it's not, it doesn't explain the, the fact that I got two out of 20, it's not like if I had 70% it said I would have gotten 17 out of 20, but now I have two. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't mean I should, I should cut the card. Like on average, 0.6 Fireball for a 3-3 three, three on 3 is an effect I want in my deck. Yeah, and I mean, you are favored. You are yes. favored to hit the Fireball and you just lost. Uh, it's not uh, even coin clip. You are favored there. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm not skilled, so I'm not good at hitting fireballs or getting drained <laughs> like you are. But uh, I mean, it's important to not be to not be results oriented. You have to think when you r receive some result about what went wrong and if if it, it was something you could control or not. That's really important. Yeah, that's important. Absolutely. Because a lot of games you lose, you would never win ever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of times when I lose, I think about, could I make another play there? Then I think like 30 seconds about it. And when the answer is no, I played it like I wanted it, or I would play it again that way, then I just don't think about this match anymore because I couldn't do anything different. But if the answer is yes, I could make a different play. So you, I learned something there. Exactly. And this is like tournaments. Like for example, in... I think two weeks ago I played in the Sunny tournament and I lost to You Can Call Me All in semifinals and it was three matchups, uh, mid range versus mid range mage, and he had the mid range mage and he hit three prophecies in three rooms all three games, so I, I lost all three games <laughs> and I got three zero. And if you look at the uh, at the bracket, you look wow, Romanes got super wrecked by Al, <laughs> and like. In hindsight, I have no regret because I think I played this matchup very well. Uh, I played well, so I'm happy with yeah. my play the tournament and it doesn't show at all. And sometimes the difference between the result and how you played, so the average result is stunning and you have to accept this difference and just focus on the things you can control. That, otherwise, you, you end up saying, wow, I can't climb because of RNG. I am so cursed and I have RNG lower than anyone else. And this is almost never true.
I mean, that speaks on variants of card games, right? Like, yeah, I think a lot of people like <clears throat> sometimes the variants works in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. I think people often like play a bad card and win with a deck containing yes. that card or so, and like not even necessarily drawing that card or using it to win, but like, oh, this style deck is perfect, da da da. And then they'll have that bad card, and I think about it like, hey man, like you'd probably win just as much, if not more, if you just swap that out with something a little more viable. And sometimes people lose with a pretty solid deck, but it just doesn't go in your favor. Your matchups are just poor. I mean, it happens. And then like, well, this deck must be terrible now. <laughs> and it's ter so I think yeah, I, I think this is a great talk about, but not being too results oriented and kind of looking more at an objective lens. Of things like looking through that and seeing, okay, yeah, that's pretty enlightening way to think about it. I mean, I'm still gonna play around with Brahma, but hey, <laughs> moving on though, I think. Let's see. On the other hand, I'm the ki uh, kind of guy who always think or thought. I'm. I don't think it anymore. Maybe. Um, that when you made a bad play and won with that bad play, and otherwise you would have lost. Then it was a good play in that moment, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, a play that makes you win can't be a bad play somehow. So bad, it's good syndrome, you know. Like you made a bad even, play. Even if you, <laughs> even if you lose nine of ten times, if you make this play, if you only make it once and win with it, then it wasn't a bad play for me oh, somehow. God. It threw your opponent off. It's it's like mind games, you know. They're expecting you to play decent. For example, <laughs> that's a good example. Um, Two days ago, I had a game against a scout. He played Nagleaf. I had two creatures on my board and wanted to belligerent giant the Nagleaf, but I misclicked on my fucking Merrick. <laughs> and my Merrick high road so fucking high that I won the game like in an instant. I thought, okay, it was misclicked, but somehow it was the better play in that case because it worked. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> winning's winning. Long <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I was that skilled. I just wish. <laughs> Next level. <laughs> the variance is on Ida's side, you know? He <laughs> uh, rolled the dice and won. That's I mean, when I he heard the sound, like the Merrick sound, I thought, what? What? Shit. Uh, th this is giant. And then I wrote and thought, man, that's way better than my giant. <laughs> <laughs> Completely planned. Manka S. Yeah. Well, once upon a time, I played on stream. I had a full lane on the shadow lane, and I played Merrick on my empty field lane due to a misclick, and I still <laughs> won the game because I got Downbreaker to kill a Blood Magic Lord. Perfect but... play. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been better in the shadow lane with the other three minions. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. Get I wouldn't the have the Downbreaker, right? Yeah. So. I had to play field lane to get down breaker, otherwise I would have yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and exactly this second where you played it. Yeah. And this is capitalizing off a misplay, you know? That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's just the right play. <laughs> All right. So I guess while well, we kind of went through our topics pretty quickly there, it was pretty sweet to kind of talk about the ladder. And we'll talk about just kind of gameplay things. But you now, one thing I'm curious since you guys have played other card games, right? I know Roman, you were big on MTG and Hearthstone. Uh, I played Hearthstone. I played a lot of Hearthstone, unfortunately. Okay. And Inez, were you also coming from Hearthstone? From 
High stone. I only played hard stone, yes. But okay. I s gave away my account. Ah, I sold it. Oh, well, Blizzard. Oh, oh that's know. criminal. <laughs> actually, this is, this is all elaborate setup. I'm actually... Ben Bro took him away. I mean, I lost it. Did I say sold? I lost it. Wow. Uh, wow. You're a criminal. I found money the same moment I lost my account. I'm a filthy criminal on my podcast. Wow. Gym class, you are featuring criminals on your podcast. <laughs> Can I go to jail? I cannot, <laughs> I cannot stay here and allow you to... To no, my reputation. But to be honest, I, I, when I started this game, when I started this game, I knew that I liked this game way more than Hearthstone. The moment I started this game, and I had like a really, really good collection at that moment in Hearthstone. And I thought, when I don't sell it now and wait a year or something like that, then new expansion come out and the account will get worth less. So I just sold it and and started full time with this game. But it's and I didn't regret. Yeah, but I didn't regret it yet because okay. this game is way better. Okay. Well, are there any mechanics from is those? Is it criminal? Yes, I mean... I'm pretty sure the in their terms no, no. of agreement it's, they say yeah, you cannot sell your accounts. It's against the terms of agreement, right? But it's not illegal. I mean, it the depends your country. Won't come now <laughs> and uh, take it away. Oh, here's a knock on the door. I know, so I gotta get oh. that, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, they could ban my account, but I don't. I've already sold it. <laughs> yeah, but they could get together with Bethesda and ban you for Elder Scrolls Legend for. <laughs> I don't think so. Yes, they... if <laughs> someone insists. They could probably do it. Honor amongst you card think so? I mean, if someone has connections. Probably, <laughs> but if someone has connections, he could ban you for everything. Like, <laughs> let's let's say Peter Heinz's wife cheats, cheats on him with you. Oh, and God. he wants to ban you. He absolutely can't do it now. He has a reason. Yeah, to of do course. It. <laughs> I mean, if Pete Heinz looks at you and says, man, this guy looks uh, strange to me. He can also ban you. Yes, but I just have to not like sleep with his wife. So that's something I can do to avoid this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of like playing around a, a prophecy. Do I need to break the rule now? Do I need to do this guy's wife? You know, you have that choice always. He can play around the prophecy. <laughs> So, what I was trying to get at before we signed Just for the record, I don't know why. Please don't send me. That sexy German accent just seduces people left and right, man. Savage. I see what you're doing there, Aynes. I thought Aynes was a good guy. See what people's wives sell on accounts? Jeez. Please, it's very hard to get right now. You know, you think, you think, you think, you know, I just be on the straight and narrow, but geez, this guy was by his own rules. <laughs> Alright. I'm liking a gang, right? <laughs> oh, Lord. Alright. Alright, so I'm going to continue on with. Uh, Alright, so continue on the question. Were the mechanics from those games that you'd like to possibly see in, in other card games? I personally. I'm like the odd man out. I came over from actually a card game called Duelist. That I'm not sure if anyone has heard of, but worth a check out if you like. It's more of a technical moving around the board kind of. It's like chess meets card games. You gotta move around the board, but were there any mechanics you'd like to see from uh, 
those previous games. I suppose if I was going to take something from Duelist that I thought was insanely cool. Uh, hard to I'm not sure if you could actually implement this in a way. Um, basically what you could do in Duelist is one per turn, you could replace one card in your hand. Now, I don't think it works in a game like this, but suppose- Oh, like but, a Gwen? Uh, not like Gwen, well, hmm. Well, Gwen's completely different because there's not really turns in- Well, there's turns, but once you make your initial mulligan, I mean like once per turn. So imagine every turn you could take oh, okay. one card in. I'd like to see this either possibly be from a creature effect, support of some sort, maybe a unique legendary that's, you know, I can think someone at the top of my head from the Elder Scrolls games who could put that effect. Oh, the Mudcrab Merchant. Uh, while he's on the board, you can after you draw, you can actually trigger his effect and pick one card in your hand and mulligan it. Again, and then draw something else. Isn't there a card like that? Almost like that? This uh, Greybeard guy? There's a Greybeard dude who has to discard a card. This is true. You can you draw, and if you want it, you can discard it or draw. Um, let's see, or you could also, there's also the, oh, Greybird Mentor, and I guess you could say Ask the Spiritual almost does that, he does it on a temporary scale. I suppose just a re-mulligan effect of picking a card already in hand. Because Greybird, you draw the card, and you, you see if you decide if you want this card or not. I would say, um, <clears throat> this card I'm imagining, you draw, after you've done your draw step, you can okay. now pick a card in your hand to send back into your deck and try to get something else. So that's the mechanic think. I'd like to see. What's it? I'm not sure who would have passed this off to you, so I know as you were talking, go. About what? A mechanic. <laughs> God damn it. A mechanic you'd like to see from a previous game play, like something from Hearthstone that we don't have yet, that you'd like to see implemented, possibly in Elder Scrolls Legends. Could be any card game if you play them. From other card games? Yuck's a run. I have no clue. Seriously. Okay, what does Yogg-Saron do? I didn't really play Hearthstone. RNG. Oh, he's an RNG. No, it was a creature that uh, casted a random spell for every spell you casted beforehand. Oh. Wow. So if I had a bunch of spells... A random spell to a random target. On a random target. <laughs> for every spell I played that entire game, I dropped this down yeah. and just starts casting spells willy-nilly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, uh, like... that's what Romanesque said he wants in this game. <laughs> so you're telling me evil speaker Terranus, like very unhealthy speaker Terranus, is what you're talking. <laughs> no, but uh, more seriously, I have a huge pet peeve in this game with uh, the Mulligan not banning cards. Both Hearthstone oh. and Gwen have this. Yes, you want to Mulligan away a card, and you get the same card, like. Very often, I've had a starting hand of three cards. I send back two cards, I get the same two cards back. I think this makes no sense. Especially in the 50 cards decks, they should at least make sure we don't get the same goddamn card when we, when we mulligan it. Yeah, that's annoying. I agree. I agree. That's <laughs> more than annoying. Even it's Hearthstone like... has it. Hearthstone! Yeah. I don't want this lightning bolt. Oh, here you get two lightning bolts. <laughs> what about that, bro? Oldervig just can't stay away, you know? He has me in that starting hand. Oh my god. Yeah, I'd like Mulligan Protection, I guess you would call it, or Blacklisting, as Gwen calls it. Would be phenomenal in this game, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great one. 
Alright, so... And other than that, I think I like mill decks, but I think mill is something that people just don't like. I think I think people are complaining about these guild Shadowfoot, so... The whole archetype supporting that probably would uh, be hated. <laughs> so, I don't think we can ever get that. But... They also would need to make a lot of mill cards now. Oh, because yeah. Like, not a single one. Right? Absolutely. They'd have to release that in expansion with the focus on mill, which yeah. I'm not sure if you want to do that, even. That's. Like the... <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to say, like the scout cards, guard with ramp, but instead of ramp, mill, then. Yeah. I mean, and they seem to be yellow, right? Yellow has the black dragon and these guilds, so they seem to be the messing with your opponent's deck effect would be the willpower archetype. So soon we'll have mill spellsword, and we'll sort of be king again. You know, it's, I'll just mill people's decks. <laughs> Can we time. talk about this messing with your opponent's decks? I mean, this uh, four Magicka card that steals your top card of, of the deck. You mean three Magicka, right? The three Magicka? Is three Magicka? Okay. She's a three Magicka, isn't it, Yeah, isn't it really annoying that you don't see what he stole? I mean, isn't that <clears throat> even unfair that I don't know what my deck is missing now? Oh, um, that's the interesting thing. The information cards, I'm going to call them Thieves Guild, European Pickpockets. And but Thieves Guild doesn't mess with your deck. No, 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 no she's Thieves Guild. Shadowfoot, yeah, she steals. Oh, yeah, she snags your deck. Yeah, but she steals something. Maybe it's your win condition. Maybe you play a Yarl Bargroove deck and want to win that way, and she steals it. And you are waiting for this fucking card. <laughs> and well, you figure out that after a while it's not happening. Well, you're waiting for the 1 in 50, so I mean. <laughs> Or that right there is like, it's like playing around never having it, but I see what you're saying. She, I have seen people complain about Shadowfoot before. I think last podcast they brought up her strength, so I don't want to go too much into it, but I think her just giving a bit of information on what, the, what on earth she took would, you know, would be nice. Especially because it takes it from yeah. your deck, so you're just like, um, what's going on? And that same light, uh, I know this may be a controversial, many won't agree, but let's, I wish Thief of Dreams told you what they got. Yeah, I think Thief of Dreams also should to tell you, every card should tell you what they stole, yeah. so you can play around it. And then Riftian yeah. Pickpocket as well. These kind of, because Riftian Pickpocket and uh, Thief of Dreams both give a lot of information. Riftian Pickpocket puts three random cards in your deck. That's a pretty good information, I'd say. Sure, it's not your hand right now, but they get an idea of what you're going for. Then she replaces, but she is a four mana two two, <clears throat> so I suppose the tempo loss from playing her may weigh off. But information still is pretty power, pretty powerful tool in card games. And Thief of Dreams gives you information and can possibly cycle itself as a five mana five five. So that's pretty sweet, I'd say. <laughs> so I'd like to see. I'd like to at least know what they took. So I know what to play around, in a sense. I mean, Romanesque, do you know this moment when you play Thief of Dreams and you pick Atromancer and he doesn't have it, you don't get it, but you think, man, nice. At least he has no Atromancer. <laughs> oh, very, very. And I think Thief of Dreams is a great card because you have a lot of plays to outplay your opponent. Because, yeah. for example, if you identify that, well, if he has Atro, even if I get one, I lose anyway. So I'm going to pick the other card because if he has it, I lose anyway. 
So I want to maximize my odds of winning if he has if he doesn't have it. And I think that the more there's a lot of decisions in Thief of Dreams because you have to make decisions if and you have to identify the the line after which, well, if he has this, I never win. Yeah, and right. This is the most skillful decision you can make in a card game. You have to decide when you have to go for desperate plays. I agree. Totally agree. Sometimes the obvious good card isn't the good card. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> you gotta consider what they played was in the graveyard. They could have done, but yeah, I think we do agree though, on the whole giving the information of what well, these information. I'm gonna call them the information words have uh, <clears throat> have given. All right, so I think we're approaching an hour. I think we can wrap it up here. Was there anything else either of you wanted to speak about? Nope. No, I, I'm not too much of a speaker. All right. All right. What do yeah. you guys play in to, uh, tomorrow in the in the gauntlet or how is it called? Grand melee? Grand thingy. I don't know Grand what it is. Yeah. Probably some kind of futile control deck. I think I'm going to play mid mage because I'm weak and I want packs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once I thought, I'm not gonna lie, once I found out we got the piercing javelin alternate art just by playing, I felt a lot more relaxed and I was like, alright, fuck it, I'm just gonna go for the, uh, I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm just gonna play either control, monk, spell sword, or a mage. I was having a good run with mage today, so let me go with that. What do you, INS? Man, I really don't know. Oh, I God. don't feel like any day. scumbag, like getting information from us and then going, oh, I don't I, know. I, I, I think, yeah, I think I, I maybe try Merrick. <laughs> maybe try Merrick. Zero twelve police. <laughs> Zero twelve police incoming. No, no, I don't know why, but Merrick's good, I think. So. I had success with the deck. Over five games. <laughs> no, Eight. it was more. Okay, seven games. <laughs> Thirty or something like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, all right, this was an awesome time. I'd like to thank all our viewers for watching and joining us, all the new followers for following. Uh, at the end, I'll read all your names off. And I'd like to thank Romanesque and Inez. Thanks for taking your time out to uh, come out here. Really appreciate that. I know Inez is like hella late for you, right? Like, you know, yeah. One o'clock, maybe? Yeah, but I just came online. I bought a new PC. And bought it together today and tested, benchmarked it, overclocked it, and stuff like that. Then I came, I even forgot about this podcast to be honest, <laughs> but then I came online. <laughs> and awesome. then I thought, nice, awesome podcast with Jim Class. That's what I want to do now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Okay. So I want to thank you, Jim Class, you to invite me. I think your podcast is really great. You are growing with it and it gets better and better every week, even though I couldn't follow every podcast. And I would be happy if you invite me again someday. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. I think this podcast is great. I, I, I like discussion. I think it's important to give a, vo a voice to people who have things to say. 